Welcome to Something to Talk About, where I take all this gear that I've accumulated from way, way, way too many years of podcasting, and I put it to a good cause. And the cause this episode is Laurier Brantford. Now, Laurier Brantford is a campus located in Brantford, Ontario, that is part of the Wilfrid Laurier University. And we have Colleen Miller with us. And Colleen has a fascinating story to share about the evolution uh, going back 20 plus years. So, Colleen, welcome. Thank you very much. Now, tell me a bit about yourself. We've obviously met a couple of times through various channels and whatnot, and I have a general sense of you, but this is the first time we've really had a good chance. So tell me a bit about yourself. Well, I'm uh, a Brantford, Brantfordian, hmm? although I live in Paris. I grew up in Brantford. A parasite. A parasite, yeah. a Brantfordian. Yes. Um, uh, I have... I own my own business, and it's called Colleen E. Miller Enterprises Incorporated, and I do uh, all kinds of things around facilitation in the areas of human resource leadership, training and development. I've done lots of great fun stuff around the generations in the workplace, leadership, team building, all those kind of fun things. Done a lot of career planning and work with a lot of people who are trying to find their next steps. So that's the work part of me. I um, have been in business for over 26 years now. I was very pleased that I was chosen as Entrepreneur of the Year last year, and that was quite a, a humbling experience, really, to be chosen to do that. And I really love my work, and I love my community. Yeah, and I can definitely tell because there's certain people's when I, when I talk to them, they're just buzzing, yeah. you know, with, with personality and passion, and uh, you know, it's that type of thing that you wish you could just put in a bottle and, and soak up when you need it yourself. But you definitely fit that category of a name that I've heard in so many circles, you know, whether or not it's a Chamber of Commerce, whether or not it's Enterprise Brand, you know, all of these things are, are, are staples uh, to the economic uh, commercial environment that is Brantford. But one of the, I guess, biggest changes in the last 20 years in terms of the Brantford landscape is that we've kind of become a university town and the economics that come with that. And you've played a part in that, a very large part in that. Before we get into that, let's go back to the 80s. So, mm -hmm. you know, for, for those listening, it's 2019, because once again, people can be listening to this 10 years from now. So we're going to go back to the 1990s and what Brantford was in the, in the 80s and what kind of led to what we're going to be talking about. So, you know, tell me about the 80s in Brantford. So uh, in, in the 80s, um, Brantford, well, prior to the 80s, Brantford was a really important community way back when. It had a river, it had a lot of opportunities for uh, transportation and indus industry. Um, one of the biggest industries was the farm implements. And so uh, what was interesting about Brantford in the early 80s was that it was booming. There were a lot of jobs, there were a lot of people working in factories, a lot of people leaving high school at 17 because they could make $15 an hour back then by being in manufacturing. So we were a, a manufacturing community. Unfortunately, things changed over the years, and um, the manufacturing jobs started to decrease. We were going into a, almost a, a depression. There were many layoffs. There were lots of uh, problems. People were paying outrageous percentages on their mortgages at the time, just trying to keep their homes. And so what we were looking at at that time was um, a really unfortunate down look. Our downtown wasn't very good. There weren't people around that were doing um, fantastic things. We weren't a really happy community at the time. And so actually, I guess one of the best examples of how terrible our downtown was is that the movie Silent Hill was filmed in downtown Brantford without any kind of 
work that had to be done. It already looked like a scary, nightmarish downtown. So in order to start looking at what the next steps could be, there, the community got together and put together a planning session where they came up with 29 things that had to happen. That process was funded by Enterprise Brand. It was Community Futures at the time. And they came up with 30 things that needed to happen to make our community more vital and viable. And on the list was bringing university to the community. So it wasn't the first time that this had been on the list. This had been on the list several times. So interestingly enough, um, the Community Futures Board really wanted to start making some changes and help along. And uh, one of our board members, Doug Brown, heard two university professors talking on CBC about the fact that they wanted to start a private university because the province was no longer going to open any new universities, mm -hmm. but they would consider a private. This was what the Harris years, if I'm not mistaken. I right? think so, yeah. yes. And so uh, what the board did was they invited these two professors to come in and talk to them and ask them to write a business plan for the university, potential university, rather. And so uh, when we got the plan back, it, was, it wasn't a business plan, remembering that Enterprise Brand is business-focused and everyone there was. So unfortunately, it was more like the classrooms would be this, the academics would be this, and it wasn't really a business plan. So unfortunately, it got just kind of put on the shelf for a little bit. So a couple of years later, we all said, well, what are we going to do with this? And so we said, well, let's do it. Let's get a university coming to the community. Let's see what we can do. And so a team formed from the board members and became the Grand Valley Educational Society. So we're struggling with the downtown, we're struggling with employment opportunities, but we're recognizing that post-secondary education is really vital for our community, um, recognizing that people were leaving, going to another community to go to university or college. And likely not coming back. And always not coming yeah. back, right? So... Um, so what happened is we decided, let's not leave this on the shelf. Let's really go forward. So we uh, started a really, I think, a really terrific idea was to bring the whole community together and ask them to come and help us put the business mm. plan in place. So we set it all up. We had people from all different walks of life who came in and started working on what can we do to make this a, a real business plan. And uh, we had three meetings, three or four meetings, where people came together to take a look at the drafts and redraft and all the rest of it. And um, we had great coverage by the expositor and CKPC at the time. So, and the people on the team, the uh, Grand Valley Educational Society, we were getting really excited because now we're starting to see an actual plan with mm. business elements in it. In the meantime, because of all the coverage we were getting and the support was starting to come in, you know, people really were coming on, the, if I could say it, the bandwagon. They really now, wanted Now, you weren't to asking help. for money at this point. You were just asking for engagement. All we wanted was engagement. Mm -hmm. We wanted to know what we needed to do, right? So um, because of that and the media attention, Dr. Rosehart, the president of Laurier over in Waterloo, started to hear what's going on over there, recognizing that he was landlocked that mm -hmm. university and how will they grow, uh, he decided to wander over, met wow. with Mayor Chris Friel and um, started to take a look at what, what could we do collaboratively. We also took the business plan to 
um, Toronto. And we went in and we said, here's our business plan. And they said, we really like it. And we said, we want a real university. We don't want a private university. Mm -hmm. And they said, no, we can only do a private university. Can we have this business plan so we can use it? Mm -hmm. And they said, no, <laughs> mm -hmm. you can't have our business plan. Mm -hmm. So we came back and um, we're able to uh, spend time with uh, Dr. Rosehart and start to take a look at what the opportunities would be and really it was just really very exciting at how quickly the community got behind us mm -hmm. and how many people were really interested in making this happen because we were floundering as a mm. community. I mean, the um, the uh, casino now was supposed to be... The ICOM. The ICOM, and that building was sitting there empty, and so then a casino comes into town. Now they're bringing a university, and there's going to be problems. Now, which came first, just from a timing? Was the casino in before? Before? No, it came in after. after uh, came because after, we right? looked at trying to use that building. Because that building was vacant at that point. That's correct, yeah. yes. But we really wanted it in the downtown. And yeah. then, so from there, we went forward putting the plan in place. Uh, the GVS took what needed to be done. We had great community support. We uh, raised $2 million. Which is not, a, <laughs> not an easy thing to do in the 80s when no, it was hard. No, So we're talking 90s now. Yeah. And, and, um, and we're also talking 80s $2 million, not, <laughs> not what we consider $2 million now. Yes, exactly. And so uh, one million went towards um, scholarships, mm -hmm. and the other million went towards the um, utilized uh, renovating of the Carnegie Building. Now, was the Carnegie Building, and we're skipping ahead here, was that always part of the plan, or how did that one come into play? Because I'm always intrigued by that one, because that is a stellar building in so many ways. It, you know, maybe a bit of the history before we talk about that, because, you know, obviously it's a Carnegie building. Exactly. And Andrew Carnegie went to certain locations and would build similar-looking buildings, mm -hmm. and uh, he's an American, I mm -hmm. believe. And so for coming to Brantford... It says a lot about what Brantford was when that was being exactly. built. Exactly. Yeah. When we're talking prior to all of the... Uh, problems with manufacturing and it was a yep. booming booming community so yeah it was and so the library had moved so the building was empty mm -hmm. so why would you build a building when you've got something as gorgeous as oh, that right yeah. so we had um, the architects come in and redesign it and uh, the money that we raised was enough to get it into play and uh it just was the perfect fit for a university, that building. Yeah. When I think uh, of that story, and I'm so glad to hear it, because in the back of my mind, I saw you guys scurrying and going into all of these various locations, pitching and pitching and pitching and pitching. And at the end of the day, it was inbound marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, we call it inbound marketing. Now, someone heard the story and went, huh? And just dug a bit deeper and loved what they found. Exactly. A city council was right on board. Yeah. They, they saw the advantages. Um, the Royal Bank let us use their one bank that was empty for our headquarters. We had, you know, Rotarians, uh, all kinds of um, groups that were willing to. Qantas, everybody mm. was helping us. It, was a, it became a real community effort. Was there anything else at that time that rallied so many people around one cause? Because you don't hear about these things often. At that time, I was very focused on this, yeah. and I'm thinking that that was what 
made a big impact on our community mm-hmm. was that we can do this and if we can do this what else can we do i think it would build it built in a lot more confidence into our community mm-hmm. even though we only had 39 students the first year um there are over thousands now. Yeah. We've got all kinds of, you know, the whole idea was to enhance post-secondary education. And so now we have colleges, we have university, we have articulations between the two. We've got a booming downtown. We've got students that are happy here. We've got, um, because of the university and the colleges in the community, we're looking at at least $60 million a year going into um, the pocket. Um, the banks, I guess, around here into the community. <laughs> into Be- the ecosystem, as I like to say call that. it. Yes. Because, you know, when when uh, when people go out of the community to go to university or college, they're contributing to that community's mm-hmm. um, growth. Yeah. Oh, well, I so, spent four years in Thunder Bay. N- none of that money was spent, you know, in Ottawa at the time. No, you know? no. So And so the contributions to the community when you have that kind of opportunity can be so much better better and the students are happy yeah well it also gives i've always said this it's the fifth year or the fourth year depending on on how long uh, the course is it's that year when they leave do they choose to stay an extra year to do something you know what i mean that's when i start hearing stuff like what's going on with the hub and one market and stuff like that to me what i'm hearing there is it's all about the you've done your class and you've been introduced to Brantford. let's give you maybe something more Mm-hmm. You know, to maybe get you to stay that extra year, uh, because at the end of the, the, that's what those innovation hubs are. You know, is just you've got them warmed up. Yeah. Why, why send them out? Exactly. And, and and one of the nice things that's going on too is that Laurier has put in some articulations with the colleges, mm-hmm. so you can finish your diploma and then you can take a program in leadership and and get a degree. Mm. Is that when I I see this a lot? Say it's college and or university. You can have both. That's kind of what you're talking about there, right? You're, right. You're you're walking out with 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 considerably more for your investment, and possibly better opportunity for employment. At the end of the day, it, it, you're doing it for a reason. Yeah, exactly. I know. I know. I know. Part of education is continual learning and yeah. just the joy of learning. Like I've always said, if there's one thing I learned from university was the art of learning. Yes. Regardless of what it is, it taught me how to learn, and that's a skill that that you use for the rest of your life. Exactly. Clearly, right. That's I, well put. Yes. Well, you know, yeah. it, it's that's uh, I'm 51 years old today. It's just so Happy you know. Birthday. Yeah. Thank you. I thought it so, was tomorrow. No, it's today. Oh dear. Yeah. Uh, so so you know. You, you do have all that wonderful fake knowledge, right? <laughs> but no, at the end of the day, you know, when, when you look back at what Brantford was, mm-hmm. and I'm going way back, yes. it was a shining star. It was truly, you had people that were coming to uh, Mohawk Park on the train from Toronto. It was cottage country. Uh, half of the houses that are in this area, you know, were, were along the, the, the river, you mm-hmm. know, for that purpose, right? And when I when I think of you know the Grand Bells coming here, the thinking place you know Brantford became my thinking place. When I that was one of the first quotes I ever heard actually because mm-hmm. it's in the library mm-hmm. downtown. Yeah, and I was like, that is so mm-hmm. on point. And when you apply that to a university town, because this is let's let's you know not mince words, Brantford downtown is a downtown university environment now. There, there's yeah. far more buildings that are owned by Laurier than not. And yeah, you, you and know. we've got college too. Conestoga's yeah, exactly. here with over a thousand students. Yeah, and you see it uh, come, come September when they all start coming in. Yeah. You, you feel, Yeah. you do feel it. It's it's scary in the summer 
when they're not around because you, you kind of get that lull. Yeah. You know, and uh, I know from a, a business point of view, I always, uh, when I'm talking to the business owners, it's like, you've really got a couple of windows. There's that first semester, you know, they got all the money from their parents. They'll spend it in the September, October, you know, and, and then they'll come back after Christmas and you got that window again. Okay. And you got to maximize that, those windows, yes. right? Because that's just student spending. That's just knowing your demographic. But it is by far the largest concentration of an economic influencer. Think of it as a pill, right? Mm -hmm. We take a pill in September and you feel it for about three months. Yes. And then, you you know, you take a break over the holidays and take another pill and, you, you know, you got that second spurt. But without that, there's nothing else. There's nothing as predictable as those students coming in September. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful thing, and you're right. It mm. uh, it will have impacts on downtown businesses. But then again, there are students that are still there taking courses through the summer, who have part time jobs and are working in the community. So it's not totally like no no scary uh, downtown. No no no. It's, <laughs> what I meant more is, is uh, from a, a, a economic economic model in terms of mapping out where where the dollar points are. Right. Uh, it's not to say that there's no money to be made outside of that. It's more where the real sweet spot of it. You know, you know where the drunken uh, kids are going to be and the bars are going to have a great time at yeah. that point, right? Yeah. Uh, but to your point, anything that we can do to keep them here right and engage so if they are working wherever yeah. now they've got money to spend and that's going back in there so it's the the differentiation if you will of you the student enjoying your classes enjoying whatever money you have budgeted for that purpose spending it yes and you're gone and yeah. then there's that other bit and it's maybe five percent maybe twenty percent i don't know what the math is or whatnot but that let's say twenty percent for lack of a better number if you can hold on to that twenty percent and you now just infuse them into the economic model, not just their pocketbook. Right. You know, that's the differentiator that I was trying to get exactly. at. Exactly. I think one of the things, too, we have to remember is that um, because we have a university here and because they have articulations with the college, we have colleges. Mm -hmm. So we've got Mohawk, we've got Polytechnic, Six Nations Polytechnic, Which and we have Conestoka. Yeah. yeah. And so um, then we start to take a look at a, a different type of education. We're starting to look at the skilled trades. Yeah. And we know that all across Canada, specifically in Ontario, we are at a shortage of skilled Always. trades. Always. Yes. And so with the Grand Valley Educational Society, we are focusing on that kind of thing right now. We're, we're looking at how can we enhance this. Um, we work with, we're kind of like the people in the background. We, we the, try silent and, the silent partners. The silent partners, what we were called, yeah. although we're very verbose. But um, <laughs> so we're, uh, we're looking at that component right now quite carefully. There's now a, a skilled trades alliance that mm -hmm. is in the community where we get together once a month and start looking at this. The school boards are involved in that. People um, who own businesses um, we've got uh, John Utley from City yeah. Council. He is an amazing he, Isn't he amazing? Oh, my God. I love John. Oh, yeah. And um, so one of the things that we're looking at right now through the Grand Valley Educational Society is we want this to be an educational hub. Mm. We want uh, to be able to say that, you know, we can assist in the skilled trades. We can help that happen as well. Um, we had a program that was run uh, last year where we had got grant money to put together an industrial welding course. Mm -hmm. And the funding came from the government, the provincial government, and uh, they paid for the, the um, 
clothing or whatever kind of the things they needed. They paid the for helmets all of those that. pieces and the material, the ex, the uh, tools and things. And uh, it was at Six Nations Polytechnic. It was um, trained by Conestoga College, and it was an interesting process. Uh, what happened was we had the uh, potential employers come in to meet the students early in the program. Then as they worked through the program, we had the potential employers come back again to take a look at how they had succeeded. Mm -hmm. And several of them were offered positions. So we know that the skilled trades are, are lacking right now. We've got the, um, we've, we, we help with the Skilled Trades Alliance. We've done programs uh, or we've written grants to try and get money for those kind of things. The colleges, of course, are working on it really hard. And uh, the community needs more skilled trades. Yeah. It's it's funny, and I don't know, going back to that university college, I know back when I went to university, it was, you know, you go to college for skilled trade, you go to university for a thinking trade, you know, whatever, white collar, blue collar, however yeah. you want it to term it. And there seemed to be so much push back then towards the university model that I think the colleges, um, I don't know what the numbers were, but I'm, I'm suspecting that they, they took a hit, you know. And now we're in a scenario as you quite pointed out, where some of these skilled trades, like a welder, is so useful in so many different ways. It's a basic skill that 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 is, you know, I, I play with a couple of gamers that, that are welders. Yeah. And I listen to them and what they do. Yeah. Well, that's why we that's why we tried to get that course, because mm -hmm. that is the stepping stone to next stages. Mm -hmm. So anyone who takes the uh, introduction to the in industrial welding takes that course. Yeah. Then if they're doing well in that, employers can see and then decide whether they want to move them to another level. Now, would this be like an apprenticeship type of uh, partially funded mm -hmm. model or? No, no. Okay. It would be beginning stages to an employer who says, I'm going to bring you on as an industrial welder. And then if I see opportunities for progression, then the weld the uh, employer would make the next steps then what i like about that model and it's you know back back like i said going back to when i was in university you know we met our employers at the end of the four years mm -hmm. you know we would apply and mm -hmm. you know i applied to one which you know weird enough but now you're introducing someone early in the cycle and you're actually giving the employer an opportunity to not only gauge skill, which is the only thing you can really gauge at the end of the process, but you've now gauged a pattern mm -hmm. of beginning to this. And if I see you're an HR type individual, mm -hmm. when you see that type of focus and you're able to do a measurement of two numbers versus just one, the odds of success Mm -hmm. of your metrics is, is just better. It it's is. It's just basic analytics, right? Yeah. I've never heard of this until you mentioned that, of a pre- and a post-type... Opportunities, yeah. yeah. Well, it was uh, it was pretty inventive. Yeah. I think, you know, it was a great idea. We were lucky that we were able to um, get the funding. Of course, Catherine and Marion, who work with us, are amazing yeah. and uh, can write terrific... The art of a grant. <laughs> yes, the grants. Yeah. Uh, so having said that, there's still a shortage in the community. We still need, one of the nice things is with the skill board, I'm sorry, with the Skilled Trades Alliance, both school boards are there. They're aware of, you know, people not yet. Um, okay, so I'll say this. and <laughs> uh, um, For some reason, parents haven't figured out yet that... Uh, the skilled trades pay a lot of money, mm. <laughs> you know, uh, you just, uh, but 
the perception is that it's a dirty place. They have forgotten or they haven't been aware of or they're not certain. Um, I was just in a plant t today and it's sparkling clean. Mm. The technology is amazing. The output of production is um, humongous. We have this feeling that it's a coal mine still. Yes, and it's not. No. It's it's clean. It's clear. It's your you're safe, yeah. and uh, the products are also utilizing the the technology. Yeah. It's not like you're um, sweeping a floor all the time. There's there's a fine line between, and all jobs are important. Don't get me wrong. Oh, okay? I agree. Like, as someone that that gave up corporate ten years ago and has been struggling in the gig economy, you know, for the last ten years, trust me, I get it. Yeah, all jobs are important. Um, even the floor sweeping. I oh, the, have said more, that. No, no, no. You know what? It, 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 it's, there are some people that don't want to sweep floors, and there are some that love to sweep yeah. floors. You know, like, give me something that, that my brain disappears and I can disappear yeah. for an hour. Yeah, yeah. A sweeping of the floor might do that, right? But the point I was getting at was we had this mindset that, that if you wanted to, as you say, make money, you know, especially in the last 20 years, medicine, dentistry, optometry, you know, we got more dentists then we have cash shops, you know what I mean? Uh, but the point being is every single corner's got a dentist, every single corner's got an eye doctor. Where's Where do you go if you need a welder? Well, this is... <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not on the corner street. Well, I was just talking to an employer today who yeah. is, uh, you know, tool and die. Yeah. There's seniors yeah. in the tool and die, you know, and yet that, even though there's technology there, this is how it was explained to me, you still have to know how to do tool and die to use this machine. Yeah. So anyway, so those are some of the things that we're looking at. I, I made this joke to Trevor, and you know you know Trevor, and I said, just because you're millennial doesn't mean you understand your ones from your zeros. <laughs> okay. So, you, you know, I wrote JCL. I did Coval. I ran mainframes. I did, you know, I understand yeah. the finer details of, of the technology. Yeah. Just because you were born with the technology doesn't understand you understand the boot sequence of your iPhone, okay? Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing with tool and die. It's the same thing with print. It's the same thing with any of these things that have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. There's an art to it. It is. You know, and part of it is the art of doing it wisely so that you're not wasting your cash because it's not a, you know, you make a mistake, you pay for it. If you're cutting metal, yes. you know, that's a $100,000 mistake. Yeah. You know, you, you want to... Although I don't know who's cutting it right now because it seems to me any of any of the manufacturing places I've been in, yeah. it's all it's all preset and yep. you press a button and it's cut well and see part of that too you know i, I read a joke we, we were losing our robotics jobs to chinese robots okay because at the end of the day it's just more efficiencies and especially when you get into the world of ai like you know this is not part of this conversation but you know what ai will be doing to the majority of the industries in the next 30 years is spellbinding for someone like myself, right? Uh, me too. Yeah. I'm blown away by exactly. it. Exactly. Well, chatbots alone for doing HR stuff. You're <laughs> never even talking to the HR person. You're not even doing the interview with a person. That's not... That's unfortunate. Yeah. But <laughs> my point a, being yeah. is, is it's that this is the preface to a much... So just like we have had in the 80s, uh, the reality of a lot of these jobs back then it would have been Mexico, Japan, you know, uh, just in time was starting to really yeah. kick in all yeah. of that stuff, right? And the real economics of if I was to build a factory in the world, where would I build it? And Brantford is no different than a Bangalore or any other city. We're pitching for this business. You know, yes. we go to 
uh, this, you know, uh, the Japanese company that just came into Brantford a while ago as an example. You know, that was years and years and years of playing that game. Yes. You know what I mean? To do that now in the industrial world is tough. But the skills are the thing. Are the skills. You know, you cannot deny whether or not it's going back to that university, whether or not it's, you know, you're learning the, the, how to be a, someone in the, that understands journalism, as an example, or you understand human rights, you know, and the list goes on. I don't remember the exact uh, courses at Laurier, but my point being, they're all teaching you something. Right. You know, but at the end of the day, um, if we can get these people to stay in Brantford and apply that knowledge here... That, to me, is how you get to that next level of a city. Yeah, exactly. And and we will have people that will stay because they don't want to go back home, mm. right? They want to be in a different environment. What we have to start looking at is um, are there opportunities for employment here and making yeah. sure. And But the reality about all of this is that it comes down to education. Mm. And the opportunities for education are in our community now. Which means that even if they don't stay here, they'll go somewhere else and they will be successful. Mm. Hopefully they'll be, you know, looking at opportunities of employment that will um, give them satisfaction, a good paycheck and an opportunity to continue to grow. Mm. Whether they're in manufacturing or in the arts or whatever the case may be, we need them all. Mm -hmm. And so with the Grand Valley Educational Society right now, we want, um, we want, um, we want to have our communities, um, you know, all of us around us, Six Nations, us, a, a hub of educational excellence. That's what I think we need is we need to be the hub of educational mm-hmm. excellence and include the counties around us so that opportunities exist for everyone to start moving forward into different directions. But not just a different direction, but a planned direction. Mm-hmm. Well, see, and that's the organizational planning at the municipal level is a conversation on its own right. Yeah. But something you were saying earlier uh, prior to our recording and what you just said, that sense of inclusiveness, you know, there is a reason you choose Grand Valley versus Grand River. And I kind of hinted at it. Everything I hear in Brantford is the Grand River. Grand River. Mm. It's in every single branding. It's either Bell-related, Gretzky-related, or River-related. That's that's our branding, right? But you went with Valley. Mm-hmm. And, and I asked you the question, why Valley? Tell me the story again, because I think it's stellar. Well, because we're we're not just looking at Brantford. Yeah. We're looking at the communities that surround us that are surrounded by the valley. It's it The river runs a long way. And so our partners around in this community are just important. Six Nations, we need to be including them. We need to be including uh, even, you know, out towards Norfolk. We, mm-hmm. We're... The Grand Valley Educational Society, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what we're looking at. And um, when you are able to uh, put in articulations between different educational institutions, wow. Well, to your point, now you're in a scenario where you can truly t- make that as an educational hub because all of these pieces are a shopping list that you can pick from. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you still get your meal. Yeah. Like, a horrible analogy. But <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, so we, we, we'd love, we've always wanted it to be a, a center of educational excellence. Uh, we would like it to be a hub yeah. where we can assist um, throughout the area. Now, we're, we don't want to go too much in the future. We have another interview for that. But one market plays obviously into that because you've 
as Laurier Branford's foothold, if you will, in terms of carbon, not carbon footprint, that's something else, but in yeah. terms of physical footprint, it's like double, tripled in size with that acquisition. Now, that has been predominantly an empty space for as long as I've been here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I look at that and I close my eyes and I could just hear the, 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 I say kids, but you know what I mean? That's the 51-year-old and me just talking. The kids speaking in that hall for the first time in a, in a while. Yeah. You, can, you can actually hear stuff reverberate in that building again. Yes. Yeah. And I went, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. You know, it's nice to hear that noise. And I could only imagine what that place would look like with every single one of those rooms filled oh. with something. Yeah. It's, it's a, it, I don't know exactly what all the plans are yeah. for that. I know that there is there, a plan. There is a plan. Definitely. There's a plan. And, um, yeah, I was just in there uh, a few days ago and it, uh, I know what it was like when it was first the Eaton Center and all the rest of it. So, um, excuse me, I, I just keep wondering what the cowboy is going to be, what room, what's going to room, the room's going to be in the cowboy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you remember the no, cowboy? I've yeah. heard about it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's one of those things where you just don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a good restaurant yeah. and lots of fun. And, yeah. and uh, Well, you know, something you brought up there, as an example with that particular establishment, a lot of the buildings were something else before. Now, yeah. as someone that wasn't here, to me, they're just nice, iconic, historical-looking mm-hmm. buildings. But each of these places had some form of economic model in their building Yes, that either failed, you know, which is a possibility, or moved on somewhere else. But at the end of the day, that same building was now given a new life. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, and uh, yeah, we, we hit another recession. Yeah. We went into another problem area right not as bad as the first one but still um the eaton center closed because of the uh, lack of people s- supporting it well it came in very near the end of that model too yeah, you know yeah. it, it was uh, out of time if you will but as 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 an investment in that much of a core facility in terms of a, just a core building mm-hmm. you know if any other university wanted to start They'd have to build something like that. That's and right. now they've got the gorgeous YMCA, which yeah. was also part of this development as well. Mm-hmm. And when you look at all of those pieces together, not only does the core look better as a result, because every time Laurie buys one of these buildings, they invest in it. There's it's no same d- with Conestoga. Yeah, they, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's no denying uh, the improvements that have been built in to this. Absolutely. And when you take a look at how much space there's going to be, mm-hmm. If we go back a little bit and we talk about the, you know, like the Carnegie building and yep. how very historical it is and talk about how influential um, Brantford was back then. If you start traveling around town and take a look at some of the houses oh. that were built down on Dufferin and around the, the area. Block, block and a half from here, yeah. Yeah, you're going to look at some pretty big, beautiful homes, which was very much an indicator of how um, affluent the community was at the time. Yeah. Now we still have some really big, beautiful homes being built. So you got to be thinking, well, maybe we're on the upswing well, for the ni- sure. Uh, you know, the nice thing about Brantford, like I know what this house was valued when Karen bought it, and I know what it's valued yeah. now. You yeah. know, so as an investment portfolio. Yeah. Uh, and I know what I could get in Toronto versus what I can get here. You right. know, the math is easy. Yeah. If you're either in a position where you're like me, where I don't commute anymore, mm-hmm. so my work is remote. Hundred yeah. yeah. percent. So it doesn't matter where I am. Yeah. Why wouldn't I want to be in Brantford? 
You know what I mean? So, so I've always said, you know, as a telecommunication hub for teleworking and whatnot, why wouldn't you? You know, it's so much cheaper to live here, first and foremost. Yeah. You know, and you have access to everything. But when you take that to the next level, which is like schooling, mm-hmm. you know, it, uh, school's expensive enough. <laughs> you know, go to school in Toronto yeah. versus to go to school here. here your pocketbook will thank you on your first weekend. A, a beer in Toronto versus a beer, uh, you know, downtown Brantford uh, alone. I think that's one of the reasons why we are, you know, yeah. um, it's just another reason to come here for, for university or college yeah. or your whatever educational you, ideas you need. Yeah. Well, and I love the fact that it's not necessarily being pitched outside of Brantford as just being one university or one college. We're a hub. We're a hub. And and that valley model. Yeah. I well, think, the educational piece. Yeah. But, you know, we, when we define ourselves, we're the, you know, the Grand Valley Educational Society. Mm-hmm. Education is the number one. Yeah. I mean, the river in Grand Valley is already there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so our job is, uh, our focus is on education. Well, I love the fact that, that you're still working at it, as oh. opposed to, you know, we got it in here, that was it. Oh, no, no, we've got a few more things up our sleeve that we're hoping to work with. And and the silent partner is right. We've had a lot of people from different areas and different forms of education come to us, and we're able to connect them to the people they need to speak to and assist them with um, some of the uh, paperwork that they're putting in, in putting together and taking a look at whether or not it's a good fit for our community. Uh, so we are kind of, there are lots of times we're working with people that we can't tell anybody what we're doing yeah. with them. It's well, the, just, the wonders of NDAs, eh? Yeah, yeah. we want to make sure that, you know, it's uh, it's going to fly, I guess. Yeah. And, and just on, because I said fly, <laughs> you know that there's a program from Conestoga at the airport yep. on heavy equipment, right? And so we're utilizing, that's the beauty of it. You don't have to build anything new. No. You can utilize what we've got. Well, and like I said, not 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 to influence uh, municipal direction, but you know, whether or not we have a municipal airport will determine a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So if all of a sudden the schooling is now incorporated into that, there's just another reason to have that municipal airport. You know, um, yeah, I agree. It's, it's it's like everything else. The more intertwined you make something, the more likely it's going to be, you know, valuable. Yeah. If it's off onto its own, it's likely going to fade away. You know, it's the same. Yeah. yeah, I think the important piece is to make sure that the programs that are coming are going to lead to employment opportunities. This is what the students' parents want. Yeah. This is what their grandparents want. This is what the students want. So we've got to be very careful as to um, really making sure, I guess, again, that the educational opportunities are here mm-hmm. and they're good opportunities and that they will lead to next steps. Yeah, because to your point, at the end of the day, one of the biggest backlashes we had from education was I spent all this money and I'm at Starbucks, or, 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 which is a great paying job relative to other jobs, trust me. But it's it's I expected more, right? And we've got an entire generation almost uh, of disillusioned universityites, if you will, in many cases, because, you know, 2008 hit them around the same time they graduated. Right? Yes, exactly. You know. And then we've got pieces where we're not really sure what's going on with funding. Yeah. And we've got uh, opportunity we're, we're looking at right now. Um, I shouldn't go political, and, <laughs> but I'm just going to say we're looking at maybe uh, strikes yep. with the educational systems. We're looking at um, programs for vulnerable people, maybe being um, 
changed. Yep. And so those are other things that we need to be very aware of. Well, they do change the, the not only the, the educational, but also the environment that that education is taking place in. So, you know, we, we talk about the downtown core. Yeah. It's, it's good and the bad. Anything you can do to help alleviate some of the bad will only better not only your experience at the university, but the overall growth. So you got to hit it on both sides. Otherwise, you're going to build something that no one will be drawn to. Exactly. And yeah. we have, and I think that's one of the great things about Laurier and Conestoga and, and Six Nations and Six Nations Polytechnic. They're looking at programs that are viable, that mm-hmm. are going to lead to employment opportunities, that look, and the articulations that give... Um, the students a better opportunity to identify their strengths and skills and their levels of learning. Yeah. And I know for a fact that uh, programs now are starting to include pieces around how to do an interview and how to, you know, stay at the job and those kind of things. <laughs> you know, we, 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 much like in high school, we never prepared anybody for life. <laughs> much like in university, we really never really prepared them for the real job. Yeah, well. <laughs> you know, I never had an interview planning session during my university years. You know, that's but con- it's, a, it's a reality now. It's a now. reality. Well, especially now when the realities of, of job submissions, you know, we hinted at the AI, it's all program. You know, I stopped writing resumes a long time ago because I wasn't writing them for people anymore. You're yeah. writing it for the, the analytics, and yeah. it's just not the same, you yeah. know. Thank you so much. Thank you.